Welcome to the CJC Weekly Bible Study, where CJC stands for Complete Jesus Christ. If your perspective of Jesus is based only on teachings from the New Testament, then your understanding is incomplete. Regarding what we often call the Old Testament, Jesus himself said, These are the very scriptures that testify about me. So won't you join us today in our study where we esteem the newer and the older testaments alike. I'm your host, Jeff Smith. And currently, we're working our way verse by verse through the first book of the Bible, Genesis. All right, we're in Genesis chapter 24. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. Last week, we got up to verse 10. And if you remember what we looked at just by way of review, just encapsulating very quickly, it was Abraham sending his unnamed servant to go to a far, far away land and try to find a wife for my son. So it was the father trying to find a wife for his son, sending an unnamed servant, making a really kind of neat picture of the father, God the father, desiring to procure a wife for his son. And so he sends an unnamed servant in the form of God the Holy Spirit to secure a bride, us being the bride, the congregation, the assembly, the body of believers throughout the world, of those who follow Jesus as the bride and uh, securing a bride for his son. So here we have, this is 500 miles later. Verse 11 is 500 miles later. He and his ten camels and a couple servants and a bunch of gifts and provisions, uh, they've made a journey through the desert. And with not much direction from Abraham as far as, oh, here's a GPS. I want you to take this with you, and it's going to lead you. There wasn't any of that, right? So he heads off into the general direction of where Abraham said, with not much to guide him other than Abraham's general description of where he's to go and the promise that the angel of the Lord will be attending and, and leading him. So here we are probably a month later because it would probably take about a month to make this journey to go this over 500 miles and we get to verse 11. So there's a big time gap there between 10 and 11. Verse 11, and he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at evening time, the time when women go out to draw water. So he's gone to the well. Back then, if you're driving a camel, you're going to need to find a well. If you're driving a car, you need to find a gas station. If you're driving a camel, you need to find a well. All right? So he's driving 10 camels, so he's going to need quite a bit of nourishment for his camels. By the way, just a kind of interesting note. I didn't know this before this week as I was preparing for this study. A camel can apparently take up 25 gallons of water in just a few days' worth of traveling. If you haven't had that camel get some water from a well nearby... 25 gallons, all right? What have I got here? This is five gallons. You need wow. you need, you need, need five of these per camel. <gasps> per camel. So if you got 10 camels, you need a lot of water, right? <laughs> How many of those you do you need? If you need five per camel and you got 10 camels, you need 50 of these wow. just to get your camels topped off. <laughs> all right? Of course, there's always a sign at the well, no topping off camels. <laughs> That's right. Exactly right. <laughs> So he gets there, and he makes his camels kneel down. It's, it's evening time. Sun's going down. It's clear he's going to end up spending the night here. The evening time, though, there's something it says about that evening time, when women go out to draw water. That's the time of the day that the women would be coming to draw water. There's not a whole lot of wells, okay? You're in the desert. There's not a whole lot of wells. And so the well is probably going to be some prominent place in your community that most of your community families are going to be sending people out to go get water because everybody needs water. And where are you going to get it? You're going to get it from the well. And when are you going to go? Probably in the evening when it's cool. Because you live in the desert, you don't want to go at noon. You don't want to go in the middle of the day. It's too hot. That's a hard job, being carrying water back and forth, you know, in the middle of the day. You want to go in the evening time. 
and it acknowledges that here. It's the evening time, and it's the time of day when the women go out to get water. I find this funny, too, because this is this is some good labor, right? I mean, you'd be carrying some pitchers of water on your shoulders. I have a hard time getting my kids to take the garbage out <laughs> once a week, you know? We're talking every single day and probably multiple trips per day. People are going to get their water because you need it for all kinds of stuff, right? Verse 12, then he said, oh, Lord, my God. This is the unnamed servant here. Traditionally thought to be Eliezer, but not named in the story as Eliezer. But here's the unnamed servant, and he says in verse 12, right? It's a prayer. Oh, Lord God. Oh, Yahweh, yod vav Elohim, Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day. That's kind of strange. The day is already pretty much over. But he's looking for an answer this day. I find that encouraging, that we can pray, and we can pray with boldness. Not to put God in a corner, but to recognize God is all-powerful. He says, could I get an answer today? (laughs) I'm thinking, you've been on the road 30 days? If I've been on the road 30 days, and I get to where I'm going, or where I think I'm going, I'm going to want to rest a day or two before I get on with the task of why I'm there. It looks like he's ready to jump in with both feet as to why he's there. Please give me success this day and show kindness. That's chesed. I'm not sure how to do that even right. Chesed, uh, kindness to my master Abraham. Verse 13, behold, here I stand by the well of water and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. When that word there, the chesed in verse 12, we've looked at that word before. It's loyalty, it's kindness. It appeals to the covenant that God made with Abraham. So basically, this unnamed servant is there and he's praying to God, please remember the covenant that you made with my master Abraham. Please remember that covenant. And I'm looking for provision. I'm looking for an answer to prayer. And he doesn't know yet that he's actually in the exact place he's supposed to be. Right, And then verse 14, Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, Please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, Drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. What is he looking for then? He's pretty specific, right? And what are the specific things he's looking for? He's looking for somebody that he'll say, Please give me a drink. He's a stranger. All right, so right there, there's a little hurdle. Please give me a drink. And it requires that it be somebody that's willing to talk to a stranger and willing to share with a stranger. But it goes so much more beyond that. And please give my camels some to drink too. (laughs) That's a lot more than a sip, right? That's 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 a big request, all right? So yeah, he's asking for a whole lot there. He's, he's looking for somebody with extraordinary kindness and generosity because unless you have somebody with extraordinary kindness and generosity, you're, you're not going to get that answered prayer. All right. Um, he's looking for somebody who exhibits traits similar to his master Abraham. We've seen in Abraham kindness and generosity almost to a fault in a, in a sense over there in the stories that we've had over there. You remember the three strangers that are walking by. And Abraham goes running out and he goes, please come in, come in. Let me take care of everything that we can take care of. Let's have a meal. And he goes overboard and the uh, generosity extended to Lot. You pick wherever you want to go and I'll take whatever's left. Generosity and kindness is something we've seen in Abraham. It's probably something that's been modeled for <laughs> Isaac and it would be appropriate for Isaac's wife to have those similar traits. All right. So he's asking for something that really nobody's going to answer. Nobody's going to fulfill that unless they're extremely kind and generous. In verse 15, I love this. And it happened before he had finished speaking. He's praying to God. And before he's even done praying to God, what happens that behold, Rebecca, 
who was born to Bethuel. Okay, now as I'm reading this verse, you might want to look on the board behind me. You'll recognize the family tree that we put up there three weeks ago, right? So it says right here her qualifications according to this family tree, right? So follow it with me. Look at the board as I read it along. Rebecca, so here's Rebecca, all right? Rebecca, who was born to Bethuel. All right, so there's Bethuel. Rebecca, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah. Here's Milcah, that's mom. All right. Son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor. So Milcah's the wife of Nahor. And what does it say about Nahor? Abraham's brother. Through Terah, Abraham's brother. You remember we plotted this all out three weeks ago. We got to see ahead of time who the players were going to be. As the readers, we know something the unnamed servant doesn't know. <gasps> She's the one. <laughs> right? Because we saw that when we looked at it three weeks ago. We saw that, okay, it's got to be somebody from this area over here. That's who Abraham's looking for a wife or a son from. And we only have one female pretty much named down at the bottom, and that's Rebecca. So we kind of have a clue that, mm, I wonder if she's going to be significant. Oh, yeah. As we're reading it now, right there when you get to verse 15, you go, oh, we know. As the reader, oh, this is exciting. And he doesn't even know it yet. <laughs> the other server doesn't even know it yet. And then uh, what does it say in verse 16 about Rebecca? Somebody mind reading what it says in verse 16. The girl was very beautiful, a virgin, and no man had had relations with her. And she went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Excellent. Thank you, Levette. It actually describes her physical traits, her physical characteristics, her beauty. We don't get that a lot in the Bible. There's not a whole lot of people that their beauty is described. We have this of Rebecca. We're going to end up having it with Rachel. We've seen it with Sarah. All right. After that, you've got some descriptions of uh, David. All right. His physical description was given. You've got a partial physical description of Saul. You've got Absalom with his long hair. So you do have a few other people. But it's not typical for the Bible to you know tell you what they physically looked at for every significant person you run across in the stories. All right. So here we have something significant that comes up about Rebecca. Esther's smiling, and I'm, I'm not sure. No, you don't want to know. Okay. All right. Moving on. <laughs> Jewish people are so darn attractive. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wait until we get to the nose ring. <laughs> All right. Very beautiful to behold. No man had known her. And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. I wanted to get a few pictures here to talk about, well, a couple things that was here. But if you're thinking of a well, all right, that looks like this, this is not the well in the story. This picture of a well, this is more appropriate for maybe uh, Jack and Jill went up a hill to fetch a pail of water type of well, all right? The type of well that we're talking about here, what does it say there about her approaching the well? Do you see what it says, the, the short little description of what it says? She went down. She went down. See this picture here? That's a well that you go down to, okay? That one was kind of a bad picture because it's so dark. Here's another one of a different well. A typical well for a desert might be something like that. Because you're in the middle of the desert, where are you going to find the water? Well, hopefully there's a little bit of a trickle of the spring coming up. You dig a well, and then you make a way to get to the water, and the water table can be pretty low. So when it says she went down to get water, down could be a significant distance. I haven't counted how many steps are on there, but it looks like 50 to 100 steps. Mm -hmm. And then you have to come up with water. Mm -hmm. And then you have to come heavy. up with water. It's heavy. This thing that I've got sitting on the table right over here, it's got five gallons of water. Water weighs eight pounds per gallon. So the water alone in that container is 40 pounds. The container is plastic. It weighs almost nothing. They didn't have containers that were plastic that weighed almost nothing. The containers that they had 
were basically terracotta jars or clay jars. Those weigh something. And so because there's such a significant weight in the jar, you can't have five gallons. It would be too heavy. So you would have a jar that would be able to carry maybe two and a half gallons. So she did a lot of steps. So she did a lot of steps. She should have had her little Fitbit on that day, you know, because this was not an insignificant thing to be going up and down those stairs a hundred times to make sure the camels were taken care of. We'll see that in a few minutes, of course. Uh, so now the young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin, no man had known her, and she went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came back up. Verse 17 and 18, and the servant ran to meet her and said, so I imagine this is the case. She's come back up the stairs, and as she's coming up the stairs, he's like, okay, here we go. First one, and he runs to her, right? He ran to meet her and said, please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. The Hebrew word there for a little water, as it's translated, you might have some different versions there as well. It's a sip. It's a small amount of water, all right? So please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. So she said, drink, my Lord. And then she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. Verse 19, and when she had finished giving him a drink, the word there for drink is all he wanted. It's not a sip. He asked for a sip. She's giving all he could want. All right, just totally satisfy everything that he needs. Do you remember we had a situation like that with Abraham and the three strangers? He says, hey, sit down. Let me give you just a little morsel, right? And what did he do? He provided a feast, right? So we've got some, we've got some things that harken back to that situation, that incident there. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Did he ask her to do this? No. no, he didn't ask her to do this. Is this significant to the story, though? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because who would volunteer to do that? <laughs> Not my girls. As much as I'm working on them, they wouldn't be volunteering to do that. All right. She's volunteering to go up and down those stairs, bringing the water until the camels are drunk. 250 gallons, probably, for 10 camels. 250 gallons when she's carrying probably two and a half gallons. A hundred trips down, a hundred trips up. I'm thinking if I were her parents, where is Rebecca? <laughs> we sent her to go get some water, and she hasn't come back yet. They're probably not thinking, that lazy kid's trying to get out of doing dishes. No, because she's clearly she's got a different type of reputation. Clearly she's got a different character about her. So she's out there being very hospitable. All right. Verse 20, then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well to draw water, and drew for all his camels. In four verses, in verses 16, 18, 19, and 20, there are 11 action verbs associated with Rebecca. 11 action. This is one busy girl, all right? And a lot of these are things like ran or quickly. This is like Abraham did when the three strangers stopped by. He ran into the house. He said to his wife, quickly, make some meal. He ran to his servant and he said, quickly, prepare the other part of the meal. And he hastened. So it's very similar. We're getting a little bit of a picture that this is going to be a good fit. You know, she seems like a good candidate so far. All right. Moving on to the next one, verse 21. And the man, wondering at her, remained silent so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. I'm supposing he probably had a little bit of time to, to consider, right? Because <laughs> she's making a lot of trips. He's probably sitting back. I'm thinking, why don't you offer to help? But okay, that's <laughs> So he's sitting back and he's trying to evaluate, wow, is this really happening? Is God answering my prayers at the very request that I made? 
before I was even done speaking here, she came. And she's doing exactly the impossible thing that I asked of God that this person would do. He's probably marveling. And so in verse 22, it says, So it was when the camels had finished drinking. I'm thinking she's probably wiping the sweat off of her forehead. (laughs) All right. When the camels finished drinking, that the man took a golden, what does your version say? Nose ring. Nose ring? Does it say nose ring? Somebody have earrings? No? Some versions will say earrings, but mostly nose ring. All right. I have a picture here. This is probably not what was being discussed. This is a little tiny dainty thing. All right. Uh, It says, in fact, it gives us a weight there, a nose ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her wrists weighing about 10 shekels. And significantly, it says, of gold, a golden nose ring. And the bracelets are made of gold. So it's probably something a little bit more like this. All right. Something a little more substantial. It looks painful. It does look painful. All right. Some of your versions will say earrings, though. Some versions say earrings and other ones say nose rings. Okay. The reason I bring that up is because every once in a while you end up finding, is it a nose ring or is it an earring? All right. It's a piece of jewelry that's still worn to this day in the Middle East. And it's thought to be very beautiful i'm not saying that's my cup of tea (laughs) i that was not on my requirements for a person i was going to marry you know must look good in a nose ring um but (laughs) but in some places in the world that's still considered very beautiful this is these are modern pictures all right most of these are very modern so it's a nose ring most likely with the possibility that it could be connected as an earring as well here's one more i'll show you it's a rather extravagant one but you get the idea. Is it a nose ring or is it an earring? There's a whole lot of jewelry going on from the nose to the ear there in that picture. <laughs> and is yes. It for, is it put on just to show that you're engaged now or that, or do, do they oh. wear it if you're married? I mean, it's great question. There on until the rest of your life. He gives these gifts to her, but we don't have any clue from the story that she understands the significance. For all intents and purposes, she might be thinking it's just a rich guy saying, thank you for letting my camels drink a lot of water. So it doesn't have to imply marriage or bridal gifts, but that's probably his intention. Because in his mind, it sounds like by the time he gives these over to her, in his mind, he's like, God has answered my prayers. What's interesting is he doesn't even know who she is, nor her family. He doesn't even know if he's in the right place yet. But this demonstration is so clear to him that he's willing to make this gesture as if he's convinced, God, this is the one, and I just need to figure out the details. All right? So great question. Uh, Verse 23 kind of starts that. And he says, right, after giving these gifts to her, he says, Whose daughter are you? Tell me, please. Is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? Verse 24, so she said to him, I'm the daughter of Bethuel, Milcah's son, whom she bore to Nahor. Now she discloses who she is, and now she discloses her family tree, and now he knows that she is of the small group on the other side of the world that somehow he was supposed to find. Wow. Yeah, exactly right. Wow. Needle in a haystack. Needle in a haystack on the first try. Verse 25, moreover, she said to him, we have both straw and feed enough and room to lodge. Now, this is really going beyond what you would expect as far as generosity. Because it's not unheard of for a man, maybe the father of the house, to offer to house somebody. Here's the daughter, and she hasn't checked with dad, and she hasn't checked with her brother. 
she hasn't done any of the preparatory work. She's willing to just go all out and say, oh, yeah, come on, let's go. My daughter brings home somebody like that, we're going to have a talk. All right? <laughs> I'm not just letting any old man come in because you invited him. All right? But here in this day and age, she's actually going way beyond in generosity and hospitality. It's as if it's second nature to her. It just comes freely from her. All right? Verse 26, Then the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord, and he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy. Here we see the word again, has said, and his truth toward my master. As for me being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. This is the second kind of a prayer type of thing that we've seen so far today in this study. And the common elements in both of them is his concern for his master and this has said all right, of God. All right, the loving kindness or the covenant loyalty appealing to God's covenant loyalty to Abraham. Because really, God's promise to Abraham requires that Isaac have a son. And that requires that Isaac have a wife. So God, how are you going to do it? That's been what it is all along. How are you going to do this? And here he has shown that God fulfills his promises. Verse 28, so the young woman ran and told her mother's household these things. So when something amazing and wonderful happens in our life, it's natural for us to want to go and tell somebody. It should be. So when God does something wonderful and amazing in our lives, it should be natural. We should be go telling people. All right? If God takes you from unsaved to saved, that's a big deal. God did something wonderful in your life. You should be telling people. We should be telling people, right? We should be excited about telling people. Just for a few moments here, and we're going to close with this. We're going to see a similar story later on. When Isaac and Rebecca end up getting married, they have sons, and one of the sons is going to be Jacob. Jacob's going to end up meeting his spouse at a well. Moses, later on in the book of Exodus, Moses is going to end up meeting his spouse at a well. And we have another situation. If you go to the end of the meeting your spouse at the well stories in the Bible... You have in John chapter 4 this strange story of Jesus meeting the woman at the well of the Samaritan woman who represents everything about being outcast. And he's there. He's a a weary traveler looking for nourishment. And he's at the well and he has this discussion with the woman, the Samaritan, this outcast, because Jews and Samaritans, they don't get along. He'll tell you that right in the story. All right. And they're having a discussion. And he's saying, I got some well water you don't know about. And she goes, man, I'm getting tired of coming to this well all the time and always having to draw water. I'd really like something that would alleviate that. In fact, turn to John chapter 4. We're just going to look at a few of the verses. It's a, it's a long passage, too long to actually spend time on too much time on right now. But I just want to draw a few verses to your attention. John chapter 4, we're going to jump right into verse 13. John chapter 4, verse 13. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Jump down to 25 and 26. 25 and 26, i got to give you a little bit of an indication of what ended up happening in the meantime between those verses. They end up having a discussion about the Messiah. And she knows there's a promised Messiah. And she knows that there's coming a day when this promised one's going to come. And he ends up saying to her the qualifications of the bride he's looking for. Those who worship the Father in spirit and in truth. He's laying out his marriage requirements. He's looking for a bride that worships the Father in spirit and in truth. And so it gets down there into verse uh, 25 and 26. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. 
When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus says to her, I who speak to you am he, revealing that Yeshua is the Messiah. And then jumping forward, let's go to verses 28 and 29. The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the man, come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Looks like God did something amazing in her life. Looks like she dropped that heavy water jug and took off into the town and wanted to tell people. That's a lot like the story we're looking at today. And then what ends up happening? Verse 42, it's two days later. The town says this. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of what you said, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. If you haven't yet met the Christ, the Savior of the world, you need to, right? I mean, what am I? My role? I'm, I'm the Samaritan woman, and I'm telling you that there's a Savior of the world. I'm telling you the good news of what God's done in my life. In the eyes of the world, they look at me and they're like, oh, you're an outcast, right? But what happens when they on their own take that information and seek it out for themselves? They find out, wow, this is true. It's real. So all of us have a role to play, and the role is we're broken, outcast people. And we bring exciting news and people look to that and hopefully it's exciting enough that they want to seek it out for themselves. And when they do, they end up coming with a report that says, we believe not because of what you started by saying, but because we've heard for ourselves. So as weird as this sounds, go be that woman from Samaria who's had lots Mm -hmm. of failed relationships and been unfaithful. Go witness to the good news that God has done in your life. Mm -hmm. None of us have a clean record. We're all dirty when we've all get men guilty. And she saw people brought to the Lord through her. Let's do the same as well. All right, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for meeting us at the well. We thank you for offering us water, eternal life, that you provide and sustain us with. We pray that you would be our Lord and be our Savior, but we also pray that you would help us in our changed condition to recognize that that calls for enthusiasm, that calls for us to be excited enough to go tell others and to invite them to meet you and help us, Lord, not to be concerned about being embarrassed because she was out there in the middle of the day because she was embarrassed. The city knew her as the woman who was unfaithful. But help us, Lord, to overcome that embarrassment of our past and to take that exciting good news and to spread it abroad despite what people might think so that some may come to know you and be able to proclaim, we now believe because we've heard for ourselves. We look forward to the day we'll be with you in heaven and hopefully the crowd will be bigger because we've been faithful to you in spreading the good news. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. You guys have a wonderful week. Instead of internet dating sites, it should be wells. There you go.